For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Really Duncan had it. They turned it over. alley back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Hello and welcome to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. And the show is, as always, a part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network on awolfamongwolves.com. Today, I'm joined by Logan Alton, former, not former, another uh, writer at A Wolf Among Wolves. I don't know why I was thinking former. I was trying to think like of a word for colleague or something. I'm sorry, Logan. How's it going, man? I'm apparently retired. Um, but other than that, I'm doing well. Not, not retired at all. I don't know what word I was trying to look for, but there was like a specific word I was trying to find. And I just... It just slipped my brain. Um, but yeah, we, I haven't had you on since when? Before or like right after the draft, maybe? Was that the last one we did? Yeah, I think it was the draft hot takes one. And yeah, that not? was, yeah, it's been a while. And I, I don't know why we haven't like sat down to do it, but thanks for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this this should be fun. We're going to talk about Cat uh, coming back because it kind of was a surprise. I think most people were surprised when he was listed as doubtful. Um, and Tuesday's injury report, you know, a day in advance of the game, I kind of figured yeah. he just wouldn't be there and maybe they were shooting for, for Friday's game. Uh, but then the Shams notification came out claiming cat was good. And then the, everybody's excited. And then cat comes back like, this is news to me, um, situation, but yeah, I guess. Okay. I want to get your take on that. Like, do you think that cat knew he was going to play and he just like, just didn't want it put out there yet? Or do you think he truly was a game time decision um, and Shams just got wrong information or what do you kind of view that situation as? Yeah, obviously um, neither of us know how Kat was feeling or anything, but I would definitely say that like Kat was probably 75% sure that he was back um, and just wanted to like make sure that he felt good during the game time or during the like warmups and stuff. Yeah. I think that, I think, 
my read on it was like cat was pretty sure he was going to play unless like something didn't feel right heading up to like right before tip or whatever. Um, but somebody must've like told shams that. And th- I wonder if that causes like any sort of divide or something like between cat and the organization. Like that's something I kind of worry about. It was like, if cat didn't want that news getting leaked out, if it was somebody within the organization and that news did get leaked out, like, could Cap become upset about that because, you know, he can't trust the organization to like keep things in close wraps. Like I'm not too worried about it, but the, it is in the back of my mind. Like if the star player doesn't want that going out, like it probably shouldn't go out. Yeah. I, in the long haul things, I, I'm sure it's no harm, no foul, but if it was like a constant occurrence of like leaking that stuff and whatnot, then I'd, I'd be a little more worried. Yeah, and I agree. And Champs probably is just reporting the, you know, what he heard from whoever it was. So I don't blame him with that one, but I do blame him kind of with how he handled it when Cat did, you know, come back. Like Shams didn't apologize for, you know, jumping the gun or anything. He basically just like tweeted like Cat's ready to go or whatever, kind of like vindicating his first tweet and saying like, you know, I got it right all along, which I don't know. It's not that big a deal. It's just something I saw people talking about on Twitter. So I kind of want to bring that up. Um, But yeah, it was good to see him back. Like I said this before the game, like no matter how the game ended, like I wasn't going to be too upset about it just because Towns was back. And like, that was my moment for the night. Like win loss. I don't care. Just having him back on the floor just gives me a lot of hope um, for what the rest of the season can be. If the team is fully, fully or close to fully healthy. Yeah, and all things considered, um, I wasn't even anticipating a good game from him. Like, he was coming back from COVID. I wouldn't have been shocked if it was just a bad game. Yeah, and I and I wouldn't have been shocked if it was, like, a game that he only played. I wouldn't have been shocked if he only played 12 minutes or something, you know? Like, I didn't know what his minute load was going to be. Uh, but he played 31, I think, so he's close to his, you know, his average. Um, but it, you could tell he's, he's still out of shape. I mean, he dealt with a lot in – According to his like post-game press conference, he has some underlying health conditions that, you know, probably made it a lot tougher on him. And he was talking about some of that, but he didn't really get too far into it. Um, so all things considered, ending up with what, like 18 points, 10 boards, three assists. Pretty, pretty solid stat line. I can't complain about that um from him. And the the Clippers are what? They they're probably a seven, ten points better than the Wolves without Paul George, right? Like probably more than that considering the wolves don't have D'Lo. like they're a better team than the wolves. So like yeah. losing by seven doesn't like hurt me that much, but I was a little disappointed with how good the wolves were playing and to see it fall, fall apart in like that one stretch in the third quarter, that makes it more disappointing than like just looking at the final score in my opinion. Yeah. They definitely got out coached when uh, they started picking on Josh Akogi and they just, the wolves just, fed him yeah and and we've seen that multiple times where teams have just like stopped guarding josh akogi and that's been something that is kind of concerning but but in the first half josh looked good like offensively and defensively you know cutting drawing fouls at the at the rim and stuff like that's the josh that's fully optimized that makes this team like play well and they just stopped guarding him in the second half and that's pretty much all, all she wrote. And then, you know, Josh's head was being called for after that. So um, it's going to be a challenge on Ryan Saunders to figure out 
not only how he can play Josh, but when he can play Josh, what lineups against who, like when to take him out because he's not getting guarded and he's maybe taking too many shots. Cause like he did, I thought he played good defense last night for most of the game. Kawhi was going to get his points against pretty much whoever I think. Um, so having Josh on the floor in the first half, I think was pretty beneficial in the second half. Kawhi just kind of did what he did. Um, so I thought he played good that way, but you know, it's hard to, it's hard to have any, you know, response to Josh shooting more shots than, than cat and Anthony Edwards. Like that's not an optimal offense for the Timberwolves at all. No, you know, unless, unless he somehow gets 15 wide open backdoor cuts or something. No other way should he be taking 15 shots in a game, you know? Yeah. I don't see a world where that's, like, an optimized version of this Timberwolves, like, offense. And that's on coaching staff. And I've been, like, one of Ryan's biggest defenders just because he hasn't had all those players. But I've also acknowledged that, like, the offense sucks. Like, his coaching, his rotations haven't been good. Um, So, you know, he's got to figure some stuff out. And, like, that's a big thing. It's like, how do you optimize Josh Okogie, who is really important to your team, as a defender, um, how do you optimize him offensively? What's his role there? Figuring that out, figuring out the rotations to where you have him in there so that he's not actively hurting you when he's on the court. Yeah. Would you uh, rather play Jarrett Culver or Josh Okogie? Say there's one rotation spot left. I would I would still play Josh Okogie. I think um, just just seeing how he played in the first half, last night and just knowing the type of defender he is and people will bring up like these defensive metrics about like Josh Okogie's defensive metrics, like aren't that great. Um, but like, he's the type of player that like just deters offensive players away from shooting, you know, like Kawhi Leonard, like Josh is going to be like, so up in Kawhi's grill that he just passes it. Cause he's frustrated or whoever the star may be or whatever. Um, yeah. Culver's not really like that. Culver has, um, a solid defensive presence, but you know, he's kind of shoddy with that. Sometimes he's really good defensively. Sometimes he's not. Um, and I think the wolves just need more of that point attack defense from, from Josh. And I think Josh's role in an offense is clearer. It's just that he hasn't really been playing in that role. Culver's offensive game is just, just a big old bag of questions that I just don't really know. And I'm also one of Culver's biggest supporters. Like I, I don't know, I see potential there, but it's, it's tough to figure out where he fits into this fold. Um, so I would go with Josh. Are, what What's your take on on that? Who would you go with, Jared or Josh? Because I, I'd probably go with uh, Culver. He, yeah, I uh, figured that's what was gonna be your was gonna be your answer. Yeah, he's a slight downgrade defensively. He won't like do what Josh does in terms of kind of shutting someone down. He'll just make life inconvenient for somebody. Like the shots will be just a little more awkward than normal. Um, but he has more offense like he's if he's or if he has the ball it's not gonna have to be either a quick pass like he can handle the run the offense and he's a better shooter than josh not by much but still pretty good yeah and that's what i was gonna say too is like josh akogi this year shooting 20 percent from from three and jared culver this year is shooting 26 percent from three um which isn't great but like we've seen Culver make like open shots that you're like like if if he gets some of those shots at Josh like Josh had that one put that one uh stretch against I don't remember what team but he he got four open threes 
don't know if it was the Warriors or who it was. I want to say it was the Warriors, yeah. But he got four open threes. They just let him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Warriors. They just let him shoot. Like, I'm pretty confident Culver would have made one of those. Josh didn't make a single one of those. So yeah. that's like, that's the type of thing where it's like, um, I don't know. And and like a, a really confident Jarrett Culver is like a pretty dang solid offensive player. Not, you know, shooting the ball wise, but like getting to the rim and, you know, cutting and all that stuff. Uh, I would still take Josh, but I, I, I get the the argument for Jarrett in that situation. Um, and maybe even more so now thinking that like you have a Jarrett Vanderbilt and a, and a Jaden McDaniels to play, you know, more of that defense against some of the, the higher scoring players in the league. Um, but I, I, I want to see a world where they both can be in the rotation, but like a guy like Jalen Noel is just like making that really hard to find a place for Culver and a Kogi in this rotation. Cause Noel just, he's having a monster season. Like, I mean, he's scoring the, I, I, I don't even know how to like put into words what Jalen Noel has been doing recently. He's up to 11 points per game this season. And that's in 17 minutes a night. Like, pretty good pretty good stuff from a guy that you know really struggled last year in the limited minutes he got yeah did he score um over 10 points yesterday i think he ended with nine right i think he ended with nine yeah i don't think he came back in after you put that tweet out so yeah that he broke his uh game of 10 plus points what was the streak out eight games okay that's pretty impressive um and obviously his minutes have been you know higher than they were but like he he's been really you know increasing his efficiency um a lot lately like he struggled he wasn't hitting the three early and now he's up to 40 percent from deep on the season yeah and he uh hilariously is the like number one scoring option on the bench unit which is amazing and some of that came with Nas Reed like not being in the bench unit. you know Nas was in like a starting unit um but yeah he's if he's in the rotation, you know, your bench scorers are going to be like Jalen Noel and Nas Reed because, you know, it, Vanderbilt, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be a starter. I think it's either Josh Kogi at the four or it's going to be McDaniels at the four. Um, so then you're looking at a bench unit of like Rubio, Noel, if it's Noel over, Cul- over Culver, and then, you know, Vanderbilt, Nas Reed. So it's like Nas and Noel, they, they score in different ways too. So it's hard to say like, who's your go-to like guy or whatever, but those are the true scoring threats off the bench. And then you just have like some guys there to play some defense, you know, pass the ball, cut that type of thing. Um, but he really could be like a bargain Beasley, which is like a nickname that people have been throwing out there, which is like valuable for a bench unit. Cause the Timberwolves bench, you know, has actually been pretty good for a lot of the season. Um, and to have some scoring off that bench is going to be important now that Edwards has moved into the starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, what I'll do you, say I still, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Were you going to say that you think Edwards has still come off the bench or what, is that what you were? No, I was going to say that our bench could probably beat our starters in a game. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you this. What do you think of, what do you think the the 10 man rotation should be like, starting unit bench unit and obviously you can stagger minutes and stuff so like it's not like five and five out but like if you had to put five to start and then five to come off the bench and knowing that those five would at some point all play together off the bench what was what would be your ideal rotation 
ideally it would be probably um see that's that's tough with ant ideally you would want one point of attack defender that can guard the wings um and that's not ant or beasley but i'd probably still go with uh d'angelo russell um beasley edwards mcdaniels and uh cat Okay, um, yeah, so you you said I, sorry, Russell, Beasley, Edwards, McDaniels, Cap. That was yep. your five? Okay, and that's the five that I I personally want to see, um, and that's what Dane Moore and I talked about too, is that was kind of our five, and we both kind of agreed with that without really knowing um, where each other was coming from. But, yeah, I, I like that five. Um, but then you get to the bench unit, and that's where I – kind of struggle but the, the reason i like that five is you got that defense next to cat still with Jaden mcdaniels or you can put Jaden at the wing right you can have him guard you know maybe he's not doing josh Kogi type things but like he's deterring shots because he's a he's got long arms you know and he's just got good defensive instincts but um off the bench who like you got rubio you got a Kogi, noel Nas and Vanderbilt like that's three non-shooters and then you got two good shooters and Noel and and, uh, Nas Reed and I know you're shaking your head because you know Ricky Rubio has played bad this year and Jordan McLaughlin has honestly just played better than Rubio has this season but until Ricky Rubio's traded like he's not gonna get benched for Jordan McLaughlin Um, and we don't even know if he will get traded but there's not there's not a lot of spacing on that on that team on that bench unit. And that's where I, I kind of get the argument for a Kogi in the starting lineup over McDaniels or even, or even Vanderbilt in the starting lineup over McDaniels, just to have more spacing in that second unit. But at the same time, if you want to optimize your stars, you optimize your stars in the starting lineup and then just hope the bench can hold it down. Um, Yeah. One fun thing that I would personally play with, which would probably never happen is um, giving the a pair of Josh Okogi and uh, Malik Beasley the Thabo Cephalosha and James Harden treatment where Beasley start, or Beasley's off the bench as a super six man, but Okogi starts as just a you know quick pull him right away and uh, give them that defense they need. Yeah, and, and I think eventually, you know, we could see Malik Beasley come off the bench but right now when he's legitimately been your best player so far this season like you can't bench the guy but he doesn't make like high tier starter money like he makes 13 million this year and yeah. he'll make like 16 million in the third or fourth year or whatever so like he's not making like insane money um to where you can never put him on the bench but right now i don't think i don't think you can um especially when he's been your highest scorer this season and obviously when Towns is healthy, Towns is going to always be the best player on this team for the, for the time being until Anthony Edwards blossoms into a star or you trade for someone or whatever, or you somehow hit on the draft pick, but like cat's the best player on this team until further notice. But then honestly, it's, it's been Malik so far this season. And then it's yeah. been, you know, D'Angelo Russell. So do you think when D'Angelo Russell comes back from his, his injury, and Malik's hopefully still there. Maybe he gets suspended for a couple of games or whatever. But 
when those three are there, what do you expect to happen? Who do you think will be saying is the best player, second best player, third best player? Like, what do you see that hierarchy like looking like? Not like who's going to take the most shots and stuff, but like who's the best? I'm I'm still going to uh, go with uh, Towns, Beasley, Dilo. Okay, I I disagree. I think it'll be Cat, D'Lo, Beasley. And I don't think it's because I think Beasley's going to get worse with Towns back in the lineup. I just think that Russell's going to really be optimized a lot more playing next to Cat and still playing next to next to Beasley. Um, so I don't think it's like, oh, Beasley's just going to, you know, get worse. Um, I think it's just that D'Lo's going to get better, which would be a good thing. You know, like if this version of Beasley that we've been seeing stays about the same and he becomes your third best player, you're looking pretty good for those three playing together. Um, and maybe that's more of a hope, but like, I kind of have thought about him, like how it's going to, you know, work out. Like cat is going to set better screens than Nas Reed did. He's going to space the floor for D'Lo better. Um, he's going to open up more lanes for D'Lo to get to the basket, which we've seen D'Lo drive more now than we have, you know, what we've known from him in prior years and everything. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that it comes down to that. And I think it might. Um, but even if this Malik Beasley is your second best player and D low is almost as good, you know, if there's an argument there, the offense is going to be pretty good. Um, as long as, yeah. you know, you can run some, some sets for some guys. And then Anthony Edwards as your fourth option where he doesn't have a huge load, but he could still give you 20 pretty much any night he wants. Like four guys that can give you 20. If all of those four, between those four guys, if you can get 80 points a night, which I think you can, because Cat, D'Lo, Beasley, probably between the three will probably average like 22 a game. You know, like Cat's at like 20 right now, but he's like a 24 point per game scorer. And D'Lo's probably around there, 20 to 22, and Beasley's around there. And then you throw in like 15 from Edwards. You're at like 80 points, like 80 points from four guys. 20 off the bench for Noel and, and Nas Reed. Yeah, another twenty for no. Okay, but 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 if you think about it like this, say if Noel is in the rotation, you have eighty points between those four between those four that I just mentioned in the starting lineup. Say you get twenty between Noel and Nas Reed, which probably yeah. might be low even. That's a hundred points a night right there, and obviously they're not always going to get those numbers, but like that's twenty points a night or a hundred points a night. Do you just need like fifteen to twenty points between like a Kogi? Rubio McDaniels who could light it up for 15, you know, sometimes. And then also out of like Vanderbilt running with Rubio. And that's another reason I like Vanderbilt and the, the backup roles, just having a lot threat for Rubio is going to help Rubio a lot, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, that that's just, I'm like, how is this offense not going to be good? And it, it all comes down to just like the offense has to be like the system has to be, just like fine for this offense to be good. Um, and hopefully the system will be fine with cat back, but it hasn't been fine so far. Um, maybe that has to do with cat being out or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I just think this offense is going to be really good. And I, and I think cat just opens up the door for this offense. I want to ask you, cause I wrote a piece about this, but I want to ask your opinion too. What do you think like the biggest what do you think the biggest thing Cat does for this offense is outside of his scoring? Like, how do you think he opens up this offense with just him being on the court? Gravity. Um, everyone has to know where Cat is and pay attention to him. 
you're like you can't leave him open. You he's if he has the ball, he's gonna be get the attention that a star does. And even though Nasrid is like a mini cat, he doesn't command nearly as much respect in terms of gravity and everything. And like um, just that alone opens up so much more space for everyone to uh, drive, shoot, and what have you. And then him allowing Nas to get back to the bench and play over Ed Davis, who performed admirably, and uh, Jared Vanderbilt playing out of position also helps a ton. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, the gravity that Towns has is just, like, ridiculous. You just watch it, and, like, there was a couple triple teams he got last night. And and I wrote about this in that piece I wrote, too. Like, it's not just that he gets double teamed. Like, he's really good at passing out of double teams, which has been something that he wasn't necessarily good at the first few years he was in the league. And we've seen progression from that, you know, skip passes, you know, from the block to the other corner and stuff. And we've talked, I've talked about this before, but like now that person in the other corner at some point is going to be Malik Beasley instead of Travion Graham. Like, yeah, like that's important. So that's going to help the team. Obviously it was Josh Kogi a bunch the other night, um, which wasn't good, but like, say that's Jaden McDaniels. Like I feel comfortable with Jaden McDaniels taking those corner threes that Josh took. So that's another reason I think J-Mac or not. I'm sorry. I don't call him J-Mac. Jaden McDaniels should be in the, in the starting lineup just because he's going to hit those, those open shots. Not all of them, obviously, but like way better than Josh Okoge probably ever will. Yeah. Um, another thing I was going to say is going back to the shot distribution and everything. Who do you think it's the short end of the stick in the starting lineup of a, uh, Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Cat in terms of uh, being shots and also like usage rate. Like D'Lo, Beasley, and Ant have all been pretty ball dominant while they've been on the court. With Cat returning, who do you think it's hurt the most by that? So usage rate includes like assisting, right? I believe so, yeah. Um, so I don't know if a usage rate is going to go down too much, but I think Cat's going to lose the most shots out of anybody compared to what we've seen from him. Um, but I don't necessarily think his scoring's going to go down all that much. I think they're all going to lose some shots, which is fine. I think it's fine for them to lose shots because then theoretically you're getting smarter shots because what we've seen from, from Cat is that he's a very willing passer. What we've seen from Beasley is that he's actually a very willing passer as well. Um, and then with D'Lo, he's a willing passer, except, you know, obviously in crunch time, there's been times where it's been like D'Lo takeover, but throughout the game, he's a pretty willing passer as well. Um, and, and Ant is a, is a willing passer too. So all of those guys are going to lose some shots, obviously, because you added like the best player, um, on this team back into the lineup. Um, but it's going to create better shots. Like, Ant's going to get more shots at the rim. Beasley's going to have more cuts. D'Lo's going to be able to find Ant and Beasley cutting because Cat just pulls defenses towards him. Um, and Cat's going to get better shots too because eventually when Cat passes out of this double team and he hits like three times in a row and he hits Beasley and then McDaniels and then Ant, and they all hit a three in the corner. Yeah, you're not doubling Cat for a few possessions in a row because like the Wolves just burned you from deep so then cat's gonna get some one-on-one in in the block and whatever so 
I think Cat probably loses the most shots, and that's not because the, it's not like built around him anymore. It's just because that he's such a willing passer that he's gonna find guys, and and that's probably what an optimized Timberwolves lineup looks like. But I think at the end of the day, in crunch time and stuff, Cat's got to be the one with the ball in his hands, um, making the decisions. But I don't know; they're all gonna lose shots. I would say Cat loses the most, and if it's not Cat, then it's probably Beasley. Yeah, I could see that. But I think we'll see more too with just like guys getting staggered, getting their minutes staggered away from each other and just not always having those four on the court at the same time. There's going to be times I would like to see it where one of those guys is pretty much on the court for all of the game. Um, but there's going to be a lot of times where at least two of those guys are on the floor, um, which helps, you know, and then it won't be, you know, sometimes there'll be room for just Cat and D-Lo to work. Or sometimes it'll be like, okay, Malik and Ant, like you're taking over. Um, and I think that'll work out good for the, for the wolves. Who do you think like loses the most shots, um, with everybody healthy? Honestly, I could see, um, either cat or surprisingly D'Angelo Russell. Um, And I don't think that's a bad thing if D'Lo, if D'Lo, I don't think it's a bad thing if D'Lo loses more shots, um, because it probably means that he's just making smarter passes, which is like a good thing. Cause he does take tough shots, which he makes, he's a tough shot maker too. But like if he's making better passes, I can't complain about that. Yeah. And um, D'Lo seems like the most willing passer throughout the game of the three uh, guards and wings and like Beasley and Ant are more like straight gunners and like they have it in their mind to score first pass later. Yeah. And, and Beasley and Ant like I said before, they're willing passers, but it the reads they make are sit more simple than than what D'Lo is making, you know. Um, and I, I I think they see the floor better than I thought they would, which is again encouraging. But like they're still you know score first mentality type of guys, and they'll make the right pass most of the time, which is kind of what you want from like those two are probably the guys that are just gonna get hot all of a sudden, even more than like. I mean, Devo's gotten hot before. We saw him drop 50 against the Wolves, you know. And that's that's something I think Cat brings out of him too is just like, I don't know, just like a confidence and a swagger from him that we haven't seen so far. Um, but I still think like the guy's most likely to just like get hot, maybe not go over 50, but just like score 12 points in a row. It's like Beasley and Ant are just going to at one point just explode for like a really big run. And Cat will do that too, um, which isn't a bad thing. Isn't it a, it's a good thing to think like we have players on this team who might get hot, you know, more easily than cat. Like that's like a good thing, you know, I don't know. I I think this offense is gonna, yeah. Like I've been saying, I think it's going to be good. Um, But the system has to be good. And at some point the Timberwolves are going to probably have a different coach. I don't know if it's this season. I don't know. I'm not advocating for a firing right now just because, I think it's unfair. Um, people have heard my whole thing about that before, but at some point, Ryan Saunders is going to be, if the Timberwolves want to win a championship, like there's going to be another coach in this organization sometime, even if they're not close to winning a championship, if Cat's still here two years from now, which I'm hoping and praying he is, um, I bet Ryan's not the coach if they're in the playoff contention. And like, unless all of a sudden his, system looks really good i don't think he's a coach because that's just not how the nba works yeah but ryan does deserve a chance with evan mobley and 
Cat and Beal healthy for a season. And now, wouldn't that that would be something if if that like I'm not advocating for tanking whatsoever, just because like the odds are not in our favor. If if this was the old lottery odds, I think I'd be much more in favor for it. You know, I'm okay with this being a lost season in general if there's like developmental strides being taken, but the lottery odds are just so far against us that. And it, it's close to a 50-50 shot, but it's still 40-60. It's more likely that you lose it. Um, but I'd be all in on just, like, tanking for it. And if you got the second pick and you want to take Mobley, like, that's, like, the perfect player to put next to Cat as, like, a developmental guy. And then you have Jaden uh, McDaniels off the bench. Like, cool. But, like, that's not something I'm going to get my mindset on because probably going to end up disappointed in the end. Yeah, knowing knowing how everything goes in this franchise and – Minnesota sports in general, the Wolves could finish with the last record and get the fourth pick. No, yeah, exactly. And that's why I, that's why I can't ever advocate for the tanking. But but when you look at the NBA, the Pistons are going to tank this year. They're going to probably be the worst team in basketball. At some point, the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to actively try to lose games because – I don't believe that. I do. I, I, I don't think that there's any way that – they can like justify winning because there's, there's no reason to, to do it. Shea knows how to win. He did it last year. They made the bubble. They made the playoffs, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. they almost Shea's, even beat the, Shea's not like, Shea's not, a, yeah. And Shea's not a player that's like ingrained with this losing mentality and it's just going to like get into him. So I think they can afford to just like the season's a wash weird season. Anyways, you got draft picks. Um, Let's go. Let's get a high draft pick, draft somebody, dump all the picks in the world to get Bradley Beal or whoever the next disgruntled star is. And like, let's just shoot for it in a couple of years. Um, so I, I think that they're going to tank at some point, but there's also other teams that are just going to actively try to lose games. The Kings, I feel like at some point this year, it's just going to start going south for them. And they're just going to try to actively like lose games. And the Timberwolves will end up being like the sixth worst record in the league. I just don't see the Wolves ending up with the bottom three record right now anyways um, with fully he- like with a fully healthy team. So I don't know. And may- maybe maybe some of these teams don't actively tank like I'm thinking they will. But still, like the Wolves are a pretty talented team where they're going to win some games the rest of the year and probably not be the worst team in the league. That's just kind of my two cents on it. Yeah, and I agree, like – if they're actively trying to win, they're going to win it more than enough to get out of that uh, ideal 20 or 40% uh, spot for the lotto. But, um, you know, they still have been doing some things that, like, make you question it, like uh, pulling a star as he gets hot and then just kind of icing them and, like, not riding the hot hand. Yeah. Uh, I have a theory that I haven't put out into the world at all. And I'm going to put it out right now. Um, Cause it's something I've kind of still been building on. I don't think the wolves are tanking really, but I think when towns went out and they knew towns was going to be out for a while, they kind of thought about it like this way. Like right now, if we can kind of a stealth tank and I haven't listened to Dane Moore's podcast yet, but he and Brit apparently talked about the cell or the, stealth tanking which is basically like trying to act like you're not tanking but you you are um 
I wonder if there's not a little bit of that. And the reason I say that is with Cat going out, you know, you're probably going to lose a lot of these games anyways. So why not like lose a few more? So when Cat comes back, maybe you're, you won't be the worst team league because you win some more games with Cat. And you can kind of blame all of the losses on like Cat wasn't there. We're trying to figure things out. Um, and Cat comes back and all of a sudden it's like you're winning, you know, four out of every 10 games you play or whatever. You win 40% of the remaining games. So you're like, okay, you can see the vision with this team. Um, you can see it kind of going, but you have like the sixth odds to get the pick. So where you still have like a 28% chance to get the to get your pick back. But it's not like you were the worst team in the league. You you helped your odds there because the odds were never in your favor anyways. So like you took a few less odds, like percentage points in the odds, but you're you're building something and you're seeing a little bit of success with these players. So that's kind of my working theory. Um, but I don't think this team will tank with Cat in the lineup. That's been my theory. Um, but I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of that happening over the course of Cat not playing. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, the, there's tons of evidence, like, uh, you know, things that could be twisted in different ways to where, yeah, we're not tanking, obviously. But, you know, Josh Okoge still deserves to be in the lineup and shoot every open shot from three. Yeah. Um, or Juancho Hernan Gomez needed to play despite being awful. Yeah. Hopefully he bounces back. Or Ricky Rubio deserves to play, even though Jordan McLaughlin is the best player on the roster. Yeah, the best um, player. Yes. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely something that I've thought about if like that's been happening. But of course, you never you never know. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you really think. This like do people really? Do you think it's a good move to tank? Like right now, objectively, knowing the lottery odds and everything, do you think it would be a good move right now to just try and lose as many games as possible? Well, we are how many games into the season now? 24? 25. 25. 25. And it's a 72-game season, right? Yep. So we got, what, fifth or 47 games left? More or less, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we are how many games back in the out of even just the playing seed? Uh, five, six and a half. Okay, so six and a half games out of the ten seed. Yep. Um, with two thirds of the season left to go. I mean, I I I could be very very easily talked into tanking just because like Leandro or not Leandro Romero um Cade Cunningham uh Jalen Suggs Evan Mobley they're franchise changers Jonathan Kaminga like they all have went first this round or this past draft yeah um and I, I get, I do get some of the argument, but I'm a math type of guy, and the odds just aren't in our favor. And like, the Wolves already got that luck last year. Mm-hmm. Top three, we had a forty percent chance, and it stuck. 
what are the chances that happens again? Like if you're talking, if it's a 40% chance and you did it last year, your, your 40% chance this year for me, just like thinking and like this philosophical sense, it's like worse this year than it, than it was ever, ever before. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I also see some of these teams like, man, yeah, the Spurs are three games above 500, but like, will they be, will the Spurs be that good the rest of the year? Maybe the Grizzlies, they're 500 right now. They haven't looked good recently. They lost like four straight games. Obviously Jaron Jackson. Well, that was with our back. Yeah, no. And yeah, that's fine. But like, I don't know, man, like, I, I I don't think I can advocate it for right now. I think if we get to an, like a point in the season where like if we're still like six and a half games back, 10 games from now, we've made up absolutely no ground. I would start to think, I think at some point it's fair to like bring that in the conversation of tanking um, and just trying to get the best odds because like, and I don't even really care if the Wolves um, like get into the play-in tournament. I literally just want to see some growth and some winning so that we're not stunting the development of like Anthony Edwards and Jada McDaniels and even a cat and Russell pairing. Like I, I want to see those two like play well together. I want to see Ant develop and not get these losing habits. I want to see Jaden, you know, flourish. And, and I think those are some things that you just can't really like do with tanking. And that's why, that's why I'm so against it right now. But I, I do agree at some point, if the wolves are still really bad, like, yeah, then it's smart to do it because you then you try and capitalize on on your on your forty percent odds because that's like your best hope. But right now I can't do it. That's fair, and I will say that you can still like get those gains of Jaden McDaniel's, uh, Anthony Edwards, and what have you in a like losing capacity. Like you've seen Jaden McDaniel's establish that he's an NBA player, while the Wolves haven't been winning and whatnot and you've seen ant grow throughout the season but this team is just not set up in a way especially without cat to mesh well together and make sense yeah i agree with that um but you just look at like andrew wiggins was here for like what six years five and a half years too many and he just just he just like didn't have that winning mentality in him. And probably part of it was that the, he, he was just on bad teams for so long that kind of was just ingrained in him. Um, and I don't want that to happen with Edwards because I think he has all the talent in the world. Um, and I don't know, that's a tough thing. Um, but I don't want to talk about tanking too long. Um, I want to look ahead to like the Timberwolves next few games, obviously, I want to talk about Friday's game, which a lot of people are probably listening to this on Friday morning or whatever. Um, the Wolves play the Hornets. Now the Hornets right now are 12 and 14. Um, and they are five and five in the last 10. So but the reason is LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, number one versus number three pick, you know, everybody's saying the Wolves, you know, should have taken LaMelo Ball and, and, he was the guy I wanted to take. And I think he was the guy you wanted to take too. Um, and yeah. not to say that I'm like super mad about it. Um, Cause mine were pretty close, but like, 
they're matching up and you know, that's going to be pretty exciting. What are you, what are you hoping to see in that game Uh, on Friday? It all depends on if Graham is back or not. Um, I think that it's a lot more winnable without him, but otherwise it's going to be a a really good game. Um, When Cat was still out, I was thinking to myself that like this would have been an ideal game for him to come back to because Cody Zeller isn't really, you know, good. He's Cody Zeller. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what I thought too. Like I was like, oh, if we can get Cat back for Friday against like Cody Zeller, like that's a good matchup to, to, kind of insert yourself back into like the NBA, but he matched up against Sergi Baca, which is a tougher matchup. Um, but anyways, continue what you were, what you were saying. Yeah. But um, I, I expect it to be uh, more of the games we've seen lately versus like uh, any, or the usual walls. Like it's going to be a, a very close game. Um, it's going to be fun. Both teams are more or less even in talent. It's just that oh, I think the wolves Charlotte are, fits a lot better together. I think the wolves are far more talented and not far pretty. I think they're significantly more talented, um, but they just never really have played together. And like Charlotte's been able to pretty much play together all year. Um, and I think they're deeper. I think Charlotte has more of those like solid role players that just like a PJ Washington who still has room to grow, but like right now, you know, um, or like a uh, miles bridges, Devonte Graham like those guys are good players when you think about like pl- like the best players like they have Hayward and then they have Ball and then like Graham like the Wolves have Cat and then who's obviously better than Gordon Hayward then they have D'Lo or Malik Beasley who I think right now is still better than LaMelo Ball and I think D'Angelo Russell is actually still better than LaMelo Ball um uh. because not- I really think that they are, in my opinion, just because LaMelo Ball is going to be better than both of those players and maybe even by the end of the season. But right now, he's still only scoring like 14, 15 points a game. He rebounds the ball well. He passes the ball well. But like, I haven't seen him like just like take over a game to like, pull him out to a win or any of that stuff, which we've seen D'Lo do maybe not in Minnesota, but been in other times. And we've seen Beasley like pretty much single-handedly bring the wolves back into the the game the other night with six threes in the fourth quarter. Um, and I just think LaMelo's defense still is pretty bad. And D'Angelo Russell's defense is bad too, but like, I don't know. I'm not ready to crown Melo as better. So I think the wolves are more talented. I think the Hornets are probably deeper. Um, but even, even if LaMelo is better than, 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 Russell or Beasley, whoever is the Wolves' second best player. Um, obviously, I think Russell is better than Devontae Graham. But the problem is, D'Angelo Russell is not playing on Friday's game, so it's yeah. it's Cat and Beasley. So that conversation really doesn't matter. And now I think the teams are a lot more even talent wise. Um, but I also think like Cat's way above Gordon Hayward. So even if like you know ball is better than D'Lo or Beasley like cats just a lot better than than Hayward but I think where they the Hornets make it up is that depth that they have of just like solid players like like I said Bridges and Washington and then also just other guys like even like Cody Zeller is like a solid player but he's yeah. got nothing on cat and whatever like the matchup's not there for him but like they have 
some talent on that team and they play well together. They just like synergize, um, which is a big thing, which the Wolves just haven't had time to synergize and they just haven't. They're like the 27th best offense in the league right now. That's not good. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> but, but specifically about like Ant, do you think it's going to be like a Wiseman thing where it's like he, you know, both of them kind of just play really well, drop 20 points, you know, whatever. Do you think one of Ant or Ball outplays each other? And if so, which one? Um, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that Ant posters Ball and gets that same boost that he got from postering Wiseman. I agree. Um, And that's not because I don't like Ball. Like, people, like, get it. You can want both players to succeed. Like, that's what what I don't get. Like, just because... Like, LaMelo Ball is probably going to win Rookie of the Year and probably deservingly so. He's played really well. But, like, why do I have to pick between them? Why can't I cheer for my guy and then also want Ball to succeed? Um, But I do want Ant to just outplay Ball, specifically when they play against each other, just so people shut up. Um, But, yeah, like, you don't want Ball to fail. Like, why would you wish that on, on an NBA player that's, like, literally younger than you? You're just like, oh, I hope he sucks. Like, I don't ever hope somebody like sucks. Um, so that's just, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, yeah, I really want him to poster him too, though. That would be, that would be fun. Um, yeah, but, um, if you, if you made me bet, I would definitely take uh, the mellow ball having the better game of the two. I'm sticking with my guy Edwards. I think he's just got like that chip on his shoulder to get to that point where it's like, Oh, like everybody's saying this guy's better than me. Like, all right, and he's just going to, like, show it. And, and with D'Lo not playing, I think that, like, kind of helps a little bit too, so where he's going to have the ball in his hands a little more. It's going to be, like, the second game where Ant's actually playing well because he's been playing pretty good lately. Um, last night's game or the other night's game wasn't great, but, like, for a while there, he's been shooting the ball a lot better, finishing at the rim better. He's going to have space with Cat there. They don't have a good rim protector like Sergi Baca. They have Cody Zeller. Um, and PJ Washington plays good defense. But I don't know. I think it's a game that Ant's just going to like drop 30 points. I think it's going to be his thir- first 30-point game. That'd be nice. Um, I would still yeah, bet and, on ball playing better. <laughs> yeah. Even that's, with a 30-point game. <laughs> yeah. I don't really care if that much if Ant really – I would love to see him outplay ball, but like – if he just plays as good as ball or like a, a comparable game, like that's, that's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. If he gets eight points on like 20% shooting, like we'll never hear the end of that. That's like, that's my fear, but I think ants going to do, going to do a lot better than that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, do you think if the wolves took ball, they would still have traded for Rubio? Probably not. However, I don't think we would see this version of ball. It would be awkward and weird. I think it'd be different. Yeah. yeah. He has a, he wouldn't have been as nearly successful. The Hornets so. have perf like really good players to put next to him. Like Miles Bridges is like a perfect like guy to have next to him. That's just like a high flyer, gonna catch the lobs. Um, so I think that was really a good situation for him to go to. Um, 
yeah, I don't know if we would have still taken traded for Rubio, but the thing, the reason I ask is because if we took ball, we didn't trade for Rubio. We don't get those picks and we probably don't have Jaden McDaniels. Probably. Well, no, the Wolves said they had him earlier. Yeah. But maybe, than, maybe they take him at 17 um, or maybe they try and trade back, but, but you don't, you never know for sure. Like yeah. if you know how that works out, but maybe they do still make the trade for Rubio. Maybe they're, Ryan's really going all in on three point guard lineups at some point or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a fun game regardless. Um, who do you think matches up on, on the mellow ball? Who do you think guards him? Oof. It's gotta be, it's, it's such an interesting question. Cause it depends who starts. Cause like if a Kogi starts at the four, so let's say it's the same starting lineup as, Last game. So it's Rubio, Beasley, Ant, Akogi, Cat. I could see it being Cat on Zeller, um, Ant on PJ Washington, Beasley on Bridges, Rubio on whoever starts at the two. Whether does Devontae Graham start? Because ball starts. Oh, now. you're forgetting about Gordon Hayward. Oh, yeah. Because that's probably Josh Akogi's matchup. Yeah. So you probably put, you probably put Ant on LaMelo. Or Beasley. Uh, or Ru- Ant's not I was the- going to say Rubio. It's probably Rubio because, like, LaMelo's not the most explosive athlete. So, like, Rubio probably makes the most sense there. Um, but there's going to be times that, that Ant or Beasley switched on to him or whatever. Yeah, I totally forgot about Gordon Hayward. Does Bridges start then or does he come off the bench? I don't even know what their starting lineup looks I like. I have to look at it. I, I want to say it's uh, – if Graham is healthy, it's Graham, Mello – uh, Hayward, Washington, Zeller, right? Yeah, I don't know because, well, it's weird because like Lamelo just started starting like six or seven games ago. Like he didn't start for much of the much of the year. Bridges only started one game, so he's not a starter. So it must be. I don't know who starts at the two there. I would have to do more homework on that. But yeah, starts at the two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. I am just really interested to to see that game. Um, I think it's a good matchup for Cat. I want to see how they how Ant handles not having a great rim protector with the spacing of Cat because we haven't really seen that yet. Because the games that Ants had Cat's like gravity so far have been against the Pistons who have Plumlee, who's not anything spectacular. And Grant. Yeah. And Jeremy Grant, who's a good weak side. Yeah. Um, But then it was against Rudy Gobert, not an advantageous matchup because Rudy doesn't go that far out on cat when he plays defense. He's still pretty far in the lane. Um, And then it was against Sergi Baca. Like this is the first time Cody Zeller is like not a huge threat blocking shots and everything. And he's gonna have cat's gravity, so I'm excited to see to see what that looks like and how he can flourish off of that. Because I think he'll have a good yeah. game. I, I I think it'll turn out pretty good for for him. Um, but do you have any more thoughts on on that? Because then I just wanted to look into the Wolves' just like upcoming schedule in general. Um, not particularly. No. Um, saw that cat wasn't even on the injury report. Yeah, which was nice. Yeah. Um, it, for the first time since he since he got diagnosed with COVID, he's not even questionable, not even probable. He's like 
legitimately just going to play. Um, yeah. Good sign for his wrist too. Yeah. And, and, and obviously his wrist too, I didn't touch on that earlier, but like he was wearing basically, I don't know if it was actually a cast, but essentially it was a cast on his wrist. The first time he came back and it, it was just taped up in the other yeah, game, the last game. I never really saw him favoring it or anything and looked like it's like on its way of healing pretty well. And yeah, not I think there was a couple of times he bobbled, bobbled a rebound and he bobbled a pass that led to a turnover. I don't know if that was because of the risk, but that's like what immediately what my mind went to, but yeah. So he's got it taped up. It's been over six weeks since he originally injured and he was told it was a six to eight week injury. Um, so yeah, so it's, way healthier than it was originally which is a good sign and yeah obviously great to see him not on the injury report at all um but following the hornets game which i think is kind of a must win i think you want to say you're not tanking you kind of just have to go out and win that game um then it's the raptors on sunday which is not a great they're the raptors are currently i think under 500 the nba is weird. weird season they're one game under 500. They were really bad for a while, and now they're pretty solid. They're uh, 12 and 13. But it's like not out of the realm of possibility that the Wolves could win that game, but um, not like a, you're not playing the Thunder, which the Wolves lost to too, but they didn't have cap. Yeah. You got the Raptors, then you got the Lakers, then the Pacers, who are also playing well this season. They're 12 and 13, same as the Raptors. They start out really well, though, and they haven't looked great lately. Um, but Cats got to go against Miles Turner, who's just been like Ant's going to struggle in that game. Um, then it's the Raptors again. Then it's the Knicks, who've been playing pretty well. Then the Bucks, then the Bulls, Wizards, Suns, Hornets. So like, there's some winnable games there, but it's like you match up against the Raptors a couple times, the Pacers, um, the Bucks, the Lakers. Like, it's not like I would have loved if Cat was able to come back before this road trip and played like the Cavs twice, the Spurs and the Thunder twice. Like that would have been really advantageous for the Wolves to like get cap back on like a much easier schedule. Uh, But the Wolves are going to have to earn some wins. And I think they, they need some wins there. You can't afford to just be terrible there. Otherwise your season's pretty much gone. And then that's March 3rd is the Hornets game. And that's the end of the first half schedule. So we don't know what it looks like after that. Um, we, we know the, the teams they will play. I don't have that list in front of me, but we don't know what that schedule look like. Um, but from what I understand, it, it's a pretty tough schedule still too. Yeah. Also every, fun fact, uh, every, every game's uh, tough. Oh, sorry, I was going to say every game is tough when, um, you're the wolves and you're the worst team in the league. Anyways, go on. Oh, I was going to say fun fact. March 3rd is a day that's, Wancho, Hernan Gomez, and Malik Beasley are eligible to be traded, too. Well, Malik Beasley's not going to trade unless it's for a star, because he's a star himself. Um, yeah. But Wancho could get traded. I wouldn't be surprised if the Wolves, because the trade deadline is like March 28th or something like that, I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if like a Wancho or a Lehman or at Davis or maybe even like a Rubio gets traded before the trade deadline this year. And I don't want to go into a full thing with trades, but like there's some candidates that they could get traded if the wolves were trying to shed some cow, uh, some salary or to maybe get like a fringe player that they really think they could use on this team or something. 
So I wouldn't be surprised to, to see a trade or even to free up like the 17 million from Rubio's contract somehow, if they really just figured out it's not working. And maybe, maybe a contender wants him, maybe like a Clippers wants him because they need a point guard or, or whoever it is. So, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Wancho there. It, Cause like, if by that time, if by the trade deadline, McDaniels and Vanderbilt have been the fours on this team and Wancho like, just is out of the rotation. One, his trade value is just tanked, but two, like I'd be really surprised if the wolves are trying to keep him around because you don't need them then if you feel good enough with McDaniels and Vanderbilt. Yeah. And honestly, next year he's essentially expiring. So yeah, that's nice too. And that's one thing. I don't think Wancho's contract is that bad. It's it's bad for like the production he's given us so far, but like that's backup money on basically a two year deal. If he's not playing well, 7 million a year, like, it's not that bad. Like people are talking like it's like this immovable contract. Like you see contracts like that get traded all the time. So I'm not too down on that contract. Like I don't think it's the end of the world. Like it sucks that we paid him if he's not going to play well. I think he'll play better than he did to start the season whenever he gets a shot just because he was really bad. But I don't think he's ever going to be like the guy to put next to Cap. But he was paid as a backup. Maybe at some point he is a backup. If he catches that fire that he had uh, post-trade deadline with us last year, would you put him in the rotation at all? If he's going to average 14... Okay, so let's let's say like this. Because it's not fair to, to put it that way. I got to go pull up the stats. If he, if he becomes a 40-plus percent uh, three-point shooter. I think it really depends on what everybody else is doing, first off. Um, if he... If like the bench is just fine, even with the limited spacing, um, probably not just because like 40% shooting is fine. But when you literally don't do any, like pretty much anything else on the floor, that's not a great look. Like he, like he doesn't play any defense whatsoever. Um, so after the trade deadline, he's shot 42% and he's a valuable guy to have. I think in that role, if like, if he's going to shoot 42% or 40% from three, if you want to plug him in, if somebody's hurt or if like somebody's in foul trouble or you need some scoring fine, but I don't think just shooting 40% from three makes him a rotation player. Um, but so after the wolves got him, he, his per 36 minute, he scored 16 points a game per 36. So if he's on that again, he's obviously not going to play that he scored 13 points a game. Um, actual time because he played like 29 minutes if he's scoring at that rate in less minutes say he's playing 12 minutes or whatever and he's getting like eight points in those 12 minutes or something then he has an argument because he's being pretty effective um but the way Vanderbilt plays defense the way McDaniels has been playing I don't see I don't see him making the rotation unless he's does something on defense yeah I'm in the same boat and then the only way I even see it is if uh, the de- or the offense on the second team just looks dreadful and yeah. uh, you need Jake Lehman doesn't work out and then Wancho just catches fire. Maybe. Yeah. But, but Lehman's even looked good in like the minutes he's gotten recently, which haven't been a lot. 
they've been actually he's gotten some minutes recently. He's looked yeah. a lot better. Um, not perfect, but a lot better than he looked for that stretch. So yeah, like I don't know, it's interesting because it's like the power forward is obviously like probably the worst position on the Timberwolves roster. You think about point guard, you got D'Lo. Rubio's been underperforming, but J Max played well when he's in. Yeah. Um, shooting guard, you got Beasley and Edwards, or Beasley and Noel. Noel. Then you got at the, the small forward, you got a Kogi, Edwards, Culver. That could be one. That maybe that's it. Maybe yeah, that's I was going to say small forward might be your answer there. Um, but like power forward, you got McDaniel's and Vanderbilt, who are good. They played ad- very admirably. But like, that's kind of like the crowded part of the the team right now. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the biggest question mark of the team, which just is like so weird. But it's like, how does it fit? Is it McDaniel's is the guy, and then it's Vanderbilt, or McDaniel's and then Wancho, then Vanderbilt, or McDaniel's and then Vanderbilt and then Layman and Wancho? Or it's just weird what that looks like, and it probably changes from game to game, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. but someone like Layman can play the three and someone like Vanderbilt can play the, can play the five, but we also saw Nas Reed share the floor with cat too. So like Nas probably is going to get minutes at the four and exit cat if it works out because Nas deserves more minutes than just playing behind towns. If towns plays 32 minutes a game, 34 minutes a game, Nas deserves more than 14 minutes. So yeah. how do you, where do you get those minutes? You get those minutes by putting him next to cat which even more limits the ability to like see what Wancho's got out there. So yeah, it's weird. So weird. I don't know. This team's weird. Dane Moore has been tweeting that like so much lately, just like weirdest team ever. And it's just, I don't, I don't know how better to put it. It's hilarious. Honestly, the, my favorite thing is that like the, uh, the 11 through 15th men of this team are all now like major pl- like role players, um to like to start out the season. Yep. Um, Jaden McDaniel's, Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, um, Jordan McLaughlin, who is uh, again probably out of the rotation once everyone's healthy, and even Ed Davis. Like Jordan McLaughlin and Ed Davis played awesome when they've get, been given chances. Uh, yep. Jaden McDaniel's is hopefully going to be starting. Noel is your sixth man scoring option um, with Nas Reed. Uh, and then Jared Vanderbilt is your backup power forward who's been awesome, maybe even starting power forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's those are good developments, but it's also like bad developments too. Like Rubio <laughs> hasn't played well. Culver hasn't played well. Kogi hasn't played well. Um, so yeah, it's just weirdest team ever. That's like, I don't know how much better to put it. That's just like the perfect, the perfect way to, way to put it um i don't know if there's much else i want to talk about i just want to see some wins dude like two in a row when's the last time the wolves won two games in a row have they done it this just Uh, the first two games of the year the season yeah being undefeated Um, was cool i do have one last uh question shoot going back to the charlotte uh game if we did a redraft right now would you still take edwards no i would take lamel ball okay I just think he's, I think he's a, he was a better prospect in my opinion. And I said that before the draft, you know, so it's not like, it's not like I'm going back on, you know, now I see ball playing well, whatever. I just thought he was the right pick then. I still think he is. I doesn't mean I think like Edwards is a bad pick. 
Yeah. Um, I just thought Ball would be the better one. Um, and so far, he's played better. But I, but I do like the theory of of Ant over Ball on this team, in theory, for what I think Ant can develop into. Yeah. But it's going to take a longer road for him to be there versus Lamelo to be like the guy that heightens everybody else around him. Um, but what's your what's your take on that? I want to I want to know what you think. Would you because you wanted Ball one originally too, right? Yeah. Um, okay. As a Lamelo Ball fan, I would say no. But as the Timberwolves fan, I would say yes. Um, yeah, and you and you kind of touched on that earlier too, just because like Ball probably won't be playing as good for the Wolves as he is. Though, I will say this: a Lamelo Ball, Jared Vanderbilt alley oop sounds pretty dang good. That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, pretty fun. But but yeah, no, I think Lamelo's in a better situation. Um, I also don't think. I think Ant would have been fine going to Charlotte too. I don't think that changes his situation much, except for the fact that like, I don't know, there's some wings there like Hayward and Bridges and stuff that like deserve minutes because they play defense and they score the ball well and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I would still take Lamel ball one. That's kind of my. Yeah. He's a, he was always an interior amongst himself when I was looking at the draft. See, so I didn't view I didn't view it that way, but I know a lot of people did. I've I viewed him those two in the same tier, and then it dropped off to where like Wiseman and those other players were. That's where I kind of viewed it. Um, but so far, he's played like he's been in a tier of his own, which yeah, yeah. So, but I always kind of viewed them one A one B type of situation. But I never had Wiseman in the the one C. I always had him just like a tier below. But he was still I think he was still my third guy if I remember correctly with my final big board. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. But yeah, anyway, so um, I think Cat just opens up this offense. That's kind of what my big premise of this was and my piece I wrote recently. And we kind of just saw it in the beginning of that Clippers game. I, I do want to bring up this. The Wolves beat the Clippers or tied the Clippers in every frame of that game, except for the third where they lost. And the problem was they lost by like 13 points in that frame or whatever it was. Um, So that's kind of the tough part. Like they literally played better or just as good as the Clippers all night, except for the third quarter. Yeah. That's also nice to see. I would say that about every game though, that we've had. uh, Usually the team falls apart in one quarter and is either in the game or beating the team in every other quarter. Theoretically though, Cat helps that a lot. Just for yeah. all the reason we talked about, you know, because um, hopefully be, my whole thing is I don't think the offense gets stagnant with cat in the game, but I have to edit that sentence. The offense doesn't get stagnant with cat in the game as long as you give cat the ball, because in the third quarter, there were so many trips down the floor. He didn't touch the ball. And well, yeah, that is where is going through Josh Kogi, better yeah. option, um, better scorer, shooter. Josh Kogi, not cat. Exactly. And that's why I, that's, that's why I had to change it. Like if the, if cat touches the ball, the offense 99 times out of hundred, isn't going stagnant for six minutes, you know, cat's going to do something. Um, so that's why I'm pretty optimistic about it. Um, I'm just excited to see cat back. That's like, when I got the champs thing, I was so excited. And obviously I was a little less excited once cats tweet came out. I didn't, I thought he would end up not playing. Um, which I was fine with, but glad to see him back. I'm 
beyond health, happy that he's healthy. And then hopefully Delo's back within a few games and we can just see what this team is, what this team has. Cause we've been waiting a year, like a literally a year. Cats cat played against the Raptors. I think like today, one year ago, that was like their first game together. I think I don't remember for sure. Um, but like, like and they've played six, five games together since like, that's just gnarly. We've been waiting a long time to see all three of those guys on the court, Beasley included at the same time. And now we get to have Edwards with the two. After after D'Lo comes back, hopefully his leg, both of his legs are feeling good. Culver's ankle sprain's probably getting pretty close to being healthy. He's been out for like two weeks, I think now. Yeah, I want to say that he was supposed to be back any day now too. Yeah, so so other than that, you know, nobody else has shown up as questionable or doubtful or anything on the injury report. Yeah, so those guys can get healthy. Beasley's suspension. Yep, that's the only other thing, which will – We'll see what happens with that, but just excited to see this team back together. Um, any closing thoughts from you? No, not that I can think of. Um, very excited, like you are. Um, very intrigued to see what the like actual rotation is once everyone's healthy too. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited about that. I yeah, I cannot wait for that at all. But all right, well, I think that's it. I don't have much else to talk about. We'll see if the Wolves can get a win Friday. Um, yeah, I, that's a winnable game. That's a, I'm not saying they should win. That's a winnable game, um, especially if Devontae Graham isn't playing. He's questionable. He's been out for the last, what, three games, and now he's questionable. So he might he might show up there. Um, but either way, I think it's winnable regardless, just obviously a little bit harder with Graham back. But thanks, Logan, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, it's been a while. We definitely cannot wait three months again. It's almost been like three months. We can't wait that long again. So we'll have you back much sooner than that. But yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. I do appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, and everybody else, you can follow Logan on Twitter at L Alton NBA. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So go ahead, follow him there. Um, that's L A L T E N N B A. Um, one of the best Wolves follows, in my opinion. So he's got the mix of stats, funny things, Jordan McLaughlin support, everything you need as a Timberwolves fan. So make sure you follow him if you don't already. Um, and also follow the Wolf Among Wolves blog on Twitter at AWAW blog. Uh, but thanks again. Thanks, Logan, for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. If you could subscribe, download podcasts, all that stuff helps me out a ton. But other than that, uh, that was Logan Alton. I'm Brendan Hedke. Wolves play Friday night, and hopefully we get a win. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.